Now, Christmas is a lot of things. Most of it is good, and some of them are wonderful. Now, when we see this magnificent tree, we cannot help but look up, and it draws us upward. The gifts, they remind us of the greatest gift that has been given to us. The Christmas carols draw us closer to God and give us hope and bring joy into our circumstances. And then there is the hustle and bustle that I'm not too excited about. And then there is shopping, which I definitely don't like. And there are many symbols of Christmas. But Christmas is more than the sum of its symbols. And to help us focus on what Christmas is, we've been doing this five-part series on Christmas voices. Two weeks ago, we looked at the fact that Jesus lightens our path and gives us direction, and he brightens our lives and gives us hope. Last week, Pastor Wade talked about the journey of Zechariah. His journey began with fear that was replaced by faith. And that resulted in exuberant joy at the birth of uh, John the Baptist. And today, we are going to look at a young girl's life, Mary. In the next three uh, sessions, Pastor Wade will be continuing the series. Today, he is speaking at uh, Connection Rexdale, our daughter church. Now, although Mary's story or Mary's part in Christmas story is familiar to all of us, we just want to go back to Luke's account of uh, Mary's story. I want to read from Luke 1st chapter, verses 28 to 36. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Let's just stop there for a minute. You know, in the familiarity of reading the scriptures, we miss out something that is obvious. Here it underscores that the angel of God was sent to a region, to a city, to a street, to a house, to a room, to a, to a, a teenager named Mary. You know, God knows each one of us by name. God knows where we live. God knows the circumstances that we are in. In fact, God's word says, can a woman forget her her suckling child? Even she might forget, but I will not forget you. I have graven you on the palm of my hand. And God's directory is updated unlike Google Maps and Google Earth. And he knows exactly our circumstances. And we need to be reminded sometimes of that particularly during Christmas time, and more so when the circumstances are bleak and hopeless. And let's continue the story. And the angel came to Mary and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And you shall call his name Jesus. You know, the symbolism of names for the Jewish people was very significant. Jesus 
The name Jesus is the Hebrew, is a Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua. And what it really means is the Lord saves. And just as Joshua led the people of Israel into the promised land, the New Testament Joshua, Jesus, was going to lead his people into eternal life. Both during his life and ministry on earth, and subsequent to his death, resurrection, and ascension, over the past 2,000 years, this Jesus has been saving people in every corner of the world, as dark as it might be, healing the sick, casting away demons, forgiving sins, and leading people to eternal life. Now what an amazing hope we have in the name of Jesus who saves us. And the angel went on to say, He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And this seems to be the theme that's coming up again and again in this last a few weeks. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Kingdoms may rise, kingdoms may fall. But his kingdom is going to endure forever. And some of you have been watching probably uh, a special that CNN is having on the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. The politicians that made significant impact. On our world. All of those people, as good as they are, as efficient as they are, as significant a role that they have played in their lifetime, their kingdoms have passed away, their lives have passed away. And the angel said to Mary, And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said uh, to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, Mary found the greetings of angel puzzling, his presence frightening, and his message startling. As at no other person in the history of the world prior to Mary or since Mary has ever been found with a child by the Holy Spirit. Now, humanly speaking, Mary knew that this was impossible and therefore she asked the question, how can this be? And last week, Pastor Ray reminded us, Zacharias asked a similar question. And he said, how can this be, seeing that I am aged and my wife is fairly old? But There's a significant difference between the question that Zacharias asked and Mary asked. Zechariah, as a priest would have known that thousands of years ago someone asked the same question. And that God had proved himself that he is more powerful to give a child even in their old age in the case of Abraham and, and Sarah. Whereas for Mary there was no historical precedence. That a virgin would be uh, with child. And therefore when Mary asked the question, the angel went on to give explanation to Mary. And, And the angel said, the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called the Holy Son of God. Not not only did the angel give the message to Mary, but the angel followed this message with a faith-boosting statement. 
The angel went on to say, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to his word. And the angel departed from her. So there's a couple of observations I want to make from this story. Mary was young. She was poor. And she was female. And all three characters that to the people of her day would make her unstable and unacceptable for something great that God would do. But God chose Mary for the most important job and for the act of obedience that he has ever determined of a human being. Now sometimes we might feel that we may not have the education, we may not have the financial resources, we may not have the ability, or our current circumstances are confining us to be ever used of God. Don't limit God. If God could choose someone who in that culture, at that particular time, would be deemed unacceptable for any important assignment, God chose Mary. And God is wanting to choose each one of us. And the second thing I want to outline here is that when the angel came to Mary, couple of, two times the angel said that Mary had found favor with God. You know, God's favor does not automatically bring instant success and fame. You know, in fact, the, God's blessing on Mary of being the, uh, the mother of the Messiah would lead to much pain. She would become a, a person of ridicule before her friends. Her fiancé was close to leaving her. Her son would be rejected and would be murdered. But through her son would come world's only hope. Now when Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She trusted that God would take care of her potential problems. Now, dear brothers and sisters, God's favor that entrusts, with the, entrusts us with a task. Sometimes that path leads us to some dark alleys. But he gives us grace and strength to the level of our submission and obedience to him. Now, if sorrow is somehow diminishing our hope... Think of Mary. Wait patiently for God to finish the work that he has begun in you. You know, the message that God gave to Mary was that she would conceive a son. Now, from any perspective, conception is a miracle. Tearing of a conception is a miracle. Completion of a miracle, uh, conception is a miracle. Now, there's no guarantee that the hundred million sperms that are competing for, to fertilize one egg during one copulation would ever result in conception. In fact, someone calculated, if you were to be living ten generations ago, what are the chances for you to be born? And they said the chances for you to be born are six times ten to the power of hundred. Okay? What that really means is, 
the chance for you and me to be alive, to be conceived in our mother's womb, and to be alive, the chances of that are six times one followed by hundred, uh, hundred zeros. And as I was doing research for this uh, ceremony, I, I, I just found out that uh, in gambling they say, if the chances are one in hundred, it's not worth betting. And the chances for you and me to be in this on this planet at this particular time are six times ten to the hundred. Aren't you grateful that God has put you and me in this place? The miracle of conception. And what happened 2,000 years ago was not a natural event of an egg either in vivo or in vitro fertilizing. It was a supernatural event. An event that has never been done before, an event, an event that would never happen ever in this world. It's a supernatural event. And Mary's son was conceived through the Holy Spirit. I want to make three observations from Mary's life. The first one is conception of the miracle. Now, as much as the conception of Jesus in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit is obvious. It's a true incident. It really happened. But I believe it also has a symbolic meaning. Jesus is conceived in each one of our lives. And this happens when the power of the Most High overshadows us. This happens when the power of the Most High works in our heart and brings to birth that which did not have any potential of life. And I'm very grateful to a pastor called David, uh, Robert Morris for the insight that, uh, that I've gleaned from his uh, uh, sermon on uh, Mary. You know, when God speaks, we need to receive it by faith, and that's exactly what Mary did. Now, sometimes we might really say, well, if an angel of God would come to me and, uh, and give me the message that, uh, uh, it gave, uh, that he gave Mary, I would believe it. No, I, it just, uh, I, I recognize that the word angel in Greek is called angelos. And it is, translate, it is used not for angels necessarily, but for messenger. The power is not in the messenger. The power is in the word, a message. The power is in the message. Doesn't matter who brings the message. Doesn't matter who the messenger is. The power is in the message. And the message comes from the Holy One of Israel who commands His light to shine in our hearts. And birth in us that which did not and did have any possibility for it to be birthed. You know, sometimes even today, this message comes through supernatural intervention. Sometimes the message comes through a friend, either through a conversation, either in the church or in the foyer, or through a sermon, or through a statement that a worship leader might say, or some, uh, a statement that a mentor could say. Or sometimes the message might come through a quiet time. And as the message comes to us of what God wants us to hear, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to birth in us a new life? As I mentioned, you know, sometimes even in our day, God sends an angel, God sends His only Son to uh, give to us the message. 
Now, as I was preparing for this sermon, uh, I remembered an incident that I read uh, 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 in, the, in a biography of a woman called Gulshan Esther. And uh, this woman was born in Pakistan, and when she was six months old, she, her mother died. Uh, and so- shortly thereafter, as she was uh, being taken care of her by nanny, she was struck by polio. So her left side of her body was paralyzed. She could not walk. Her father, being very wealthy, had employed two maids to take care of her, to carry her wherever she needed, needed to be going. At age 14, with all of the medical help in Pakistan failing, the father took her to uh, England. And after examination, evidently the doctor in England said to her, you know, everything that I could do medically has been done. There is absolutely no hope medically. However, only prayer can be the answer. So coming from the religion that she came, uh, her father from England took her along with her two nannies to Mecca and Medina where they went through the, the pilgrimage and coming back to Pakistan, no change. She began to pray five times a day, give alms and do fasting for 40 days, but there was no change. When she was 16 years, her father died. Our only hope and our only comfort passed away. And she narrates that as, uh, uh, on that night when her father died, she was trying to cry herself to sleep, but she could not fall asleep. At three o'clock in the morning, there was a voice that came to her in her room that brightened her room. And, it's, uh, and the voice said, I am Jesus, son of Maria. You will read about me in the Quran. I am the one. I am the way. I've come to heal the blind, to uh, heal the lame. And to bring good news. So the next morning she got up. She has been up until that point reading an Arabic Bible which she could not understand. She asked her servant to bring an Urdu Bible. And she began to read about Jesus, son of Maria. And for the next few years she started to pray, Jesus, son of Maria, you are the healer. You are the son of God so you can heal me. And she didn't know anything. I'm sorry, she did not know at that point he was the son of God. You are son of Maria. You are the healer. And she began to pray to Jesus for her healing. And on January 8, 1971, as she was in deep sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning, she narrates there were 13 people in bright clothing in her room. Her room was filled with brightness that she could not bear it. She covered herself with the blanket. And she wanted to just peek what this brightness was. And then she saw on either side of uh, uh, this central figure were six people standing on either side. And as uh, the man in the middle, she did not know who it, who it was. As he stretched out his arms, there was light coming out from the palms of his hand. And he said, I am Jesus, son of Maria, to whom you have been praying. I want you to come up to me. And she said, I have never walked for 19 years. I've been carried everywhere by two mates. He said, I am Jesus, son of Maria. I have come to heal you. She walked up to Jesus and she was completely healed. At four o'clock in the morning, maid uh, knocked on the door because she saw uh, somebody walking in the room. And she said, Gulshan, are you okay? Who is that in your room walking? It said, Jesus came and healed me. She had been, the maid woke her up to do her morning prayers. And today she has become a testimony all over. And you can read the story in this book, uh, The Thorn Veil, Gulshan Esther's story. 
And her testimony is on YouTube as well. Yes, there are times that God does supernatural things as he did to Mary, where Jesus himself appears. But there are other times that God sends the message through a human messenger. Two days ago I was watching an interview of a pastor. And I was intrigued uh, by this interview because uh, he pastors a church, fourth largest church in the world with 130,000 people in the city where I come from, in Hyderabad. Uh, And this church has been around just for under 10 years. So obviously I was interested, so I was watching this this interview, and uh, the interviewer asked the pastor, so how did this all begin? And he said, I come from a Hindu family. And uh, my, my mother, I was very mischievous, and I was bringing heartache to my mother. And my mother said to me, regularly, nobody can change me. Even if God should come down, he will not change you. Even God cannot change you, is what her mother said. And that got etched in his mind, and he was feeling bad. And some, someone invited him in the village that he was in, a small village, to some evangelistic meetings. At the end of the meetings, the, the evangelists invited those who have been touched uh, uh, to come and pray and invite Jesus. And this 12-year-old boy knelt down, and this is the prayer he prayed. Jesus, my mother tells me, even God cannot change me. Can you change me? He got up from his knees, completely a transformed man. And for 24 years, he has been a witness to the Lord. About eight years ago, God asked him to start a church, and today he's got 130,000 people, most of them transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The conception of a miracle. No, these miracles don't happen just out there. They happen in our midst. And some of you who were there on Monday night uh, to hear uh, Zach Hare's testimony, who is an intern at our our Connection Rexdale Church, he shared an amazing, pulsating story of his own life, having grown up in, a ch- in the church. As a teenager, went and left the church and was immersed in a lifestyle of drugs and uh, drinks and, uh, and uh, immorality. Even his own brother, through da- drug overdose, was in coma for three months. Even that did, did not deter Zach from turning away from drugs. But he said... Every time for those six years as he walked home, he saw his mother on, his, on, on her knees. And at the end of six years, after not having contact with the parents for one and a half years, when the power of the Holy Ghost came upon him, and when he was transformed, when there was the conception of the miracle in his life, he made the trip from Vancouver to Calgary, knocked on the door, only to find her mom with open arms receiving him, subsequently went to Amrose into the, in the Bible College Pastoral Stream Program, and today he's an intern. So, conception of a miracle, these miracles happen, not just in Mary's life, but even in our time, in our lives. And perhaps there are some of you in whose lives there has been that message that has come again and again. Could it be that there is some resistance? Perhaps you have come to church all your life. Or perhaps you're, you're, you're living off the fumes of your parents. And today the message comes to you. That that message that God wants to conceive in you by the power of the Holy Spirit, a new life. And this might be the day 
when you want to make that decision. To, uh, just like Mary said, Weed unto me according to your word. I am your servant. Would you do that? The scripture says, believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouth. If you've already believed in your, in your heart, you need to confess it with your mouth. You need to walk through the, uh, the, uh, the experience of obeying Christ to the waters of baptism. And coming back to Gulshan Esther's story, and when she had the vision the second time, evidently uh, Jesus appeared to her and showed her the image of a Salvation Army pastor and said, you go to him, he's going to give you a Bible. And three months later she went and picked up the Bible. And when she started to read, she said, I need to be baptized. And she very quickly got baptized and as a result was disowned by the family. Now, As we read the scripture, as we allow God to work in our hearts, then obedience springs up in our hearts. So not only is the conception of the miracle, but there is the carrying of the miracle as well. Well, conception is a miracle. Carrying the conception is another miracle. There's no guarantee that the, when the, uh, the baby is conceived, that the baby is going to be carried through uh, to, to full term. That's a miracle in itself. And God does that miracle. You know, and in our everyday life, we see pregnant women, and when, they, when we see them, we see that their whole life choices have changed. What they eat, what they drink, how they take care of themselves, how, uh, when they sleep, and how they get up, and how they st- uh, sit, up, sit down. Their whole ch- lifestyle changes because of the realization that there is a life growing in them. Now, dear brothers and sisters, when we have Jesus growing in us, then our whole choices change. How do we carry this miracle? Mary models for us how she carried this miracle. Let's pick up the story in Luke uh, 139. In those days, Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah. Notice the word, she went with haste. To the hill country of Judah. Now Judah was more barren in those days compared to, in fact the scripture says it was the hill country compared to Galilee which was more fertile. So she was leaving the fertile Galilee where she was to the hill country, not because the hill country had an appeal, but she was going to the house of, uh, she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. No, Mary was carrying a miracle. And she recognized that she needed to be in the presence of another miracle carrier. Mary was carrying an important miracle. And people would not just believe her. And people may not have supported her. Even her own fiancé may not have supported her. And we do not know how the people around her, perhaps she could have shared it with her mother, but uh, the mother probably would have been more worried of of what the repercussions would be. And she did not choose anybody in that neighborhood, but she recognized the gravity of the situation, and she recognized the importance of being with another miracle carrier. Pastor Wade last week challenged us particularly the older people, to live in the joy of the Lord like Zacharias and pass it on to the younger generation. And today Mary reminds us and Mary's story challenges the younger people to seek out the company 
of mature, godly, miracle-bearing people so that they can pour into your life. Can I challenge young people? Or even those of us who are middle-aged, I can't call myself middle age anymore, but uh, uh, no, we're seeking out people who are older than us, mature than us, when we get the word of the Lord, to strengthen us, to encourage us. Now, can you imagine the excitement that went into uh, Mary's life when, she, when uh, she walked into Elizabeth's house? And she exclaimed, Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped with joy. Just transpose yourself into that picture. Be just put into Mary's shoes. What would have gone on in your life? Now Elizabeth did not know Mary, uh, that Mary was pregnant. Mary had not even opened her mouth, even as she entered into the uh, house of uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah. Elizabeth recognized that someone special was coming into her life. How is it that the mother of my Lord had come into my life? You know, dear brothers and sisters, as we go and seek out miracle carriers, the words that those miracle carriers convey to us, the encouragement that they give us, the strength that they give to us, the prayers that they surround us with, is going to be so strengthening to us and shaping in our spiritual life. And what a blessing Elizabeth became to Mary. What a powerful encouragement Elizabeth, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, became to Mary. And then she said, Blessed is the one, blessed is she who believed that the Lord would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, witnessing all of these supernatural events in her life, Mary's soul began to be filled with gratitude. And her soul began to magnify the Lord. And in her song of joy, Mary shows us how well she knew the scripture. Because she was quoting the Old Testament. She starts her song with the words, My soul magnifies. You know, which we know as the Magnificat, which uh, Zion and uh, Susanna uh, uh, read for us. And she was using the right word, magnifying God. Now think about it. That in every circumstance in life, we can either make the circumstance large and big, or we can make God big. Of course, we can't make God big, but we can make our view of God big. And how do you make things larger? We have a choice to make either God large, the view of God large, or our circumstances large. And that's exactly what a magnifying glass does. No, it brings to focus. If you have trouble seeing something, you bring that thing to focus, and that thing which was hitherto uh, out of focus and small, now it is in focus and becomes large. And that's exactly what Mary was doing. She, her soul was magnifying God and magnifying the all-powerful God who, in spite of the circumstances that she was in, in spite of the challenges that she would be facing, her view of God became so big. Not only is there the conception of the miracle, the carrying of the miracle, but there is a completion of the miracle as well. You know, in Luke's gospel, 
second chapter we read. And while they were there, this was a time when, uh, uh, when, when Mary was full term. And while they were there, the time came for, uh, for her to give birth. And one version says, when her days were completed. And when she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You know, they had journeyed all the way uh, to Bethlehem. They were tired. They could not find a place. We know the story. And all they could find was a stable, which most probably was a cave, where they brought forth their, their, their young one, laid him in a manger. Most likely he was laid in a feed, feeding trough where the animals were feeding from. Oh, how the Lord wants to see this miracle that he has conceived in us, that we have been carrying to be brought to completion so that we can deliver this miracle and show forth to the world that is around us. And that's what the world is waiting for. Even during this Christmas season, the word that has been conceived in us, the work that has been conceived in us, the blessing that we have been carrying all these years, we need to bring it to completion and deliver it to the world so that they can enjoy and come into the light and enjoy the life that he has in store for us. And my challenge for us is, if you have never allowed the conception of the miracle to come into your life, this might be the day. Or if you have allowed the carrying of the conception to be interfered with other voices, voices that discourage you, voices that really pour cold water on your enthusiasm, or voices of reason that, uh, that speak otherwise, this might be the day when you say, Lord, I'm going to do everything possible that the carrying of this miracle is preserved because of the understanding that there is life growing within me. And many of us, we have been allowing this miracle uh, this, uh, to be carried in our life. The carrying of the miracle. But we have never brought it to completion. And delivered it to people that are longing, that are still living in darkness. In the shadow of death. And they need to hear this gospel. You know, some of us might be saying, well, you know, I'm not like Mary. Mary was pure. Mary was a virgin. And no wonder God sent his message to Mary. And I want to pass, I want to uh, direct our attention to one particular verse in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 6 chapter, 9th verse. And Paul writes here, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkard, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's enough to be discouraged. Now, I made that list at least three, four times. If the Bible stopped there, we would have no hope. We would be saying, yes, I'm not like Mary. I actually make this list. But the Bible doesn't stop there. Notice what the next verse says. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So it's not just as we prayed in the Advent prayer. God is not looking for perfect people. God is looking for those, those who will allow to be washed, to be sanctified, to be justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the spirit of his power. 
Shall we allow Jesus to work in our lives during this Christmas time? Whether for the miracle to be conceived, or the miracle to be carried, or the miracle to be completed and delivered through us for his glory. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the blessing that you give to us. That we who do not deserve for an angelic visitation or the word of hope or a commission from the God of heaven that you have made it possible for us to be washed, to be sanctified, to be justified because we believe in the name of Jesus. Name that is given above every other name. The only name that is given on earth whereby men and women could be saved. And by the Spirit of God quickening in us that which was dead. And we, in Jesus' name, rebuke every resistance, either for the conception, or for the carrying of this miracle, or for the completion and delivery of this miracle. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, my blessing to you is uh, what Paul gave the Philippian church. I'm sure of this, that he that began the good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So go with this confidence that Jesus will give you the grace to carry the, that which is conceived to completion because of his grace that is dispensed to us day in and day out. Go in Jesus' name. Amen.